Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 312 Abnormal Psychology with Professor Mark Hunter. I hope you listen and enjoy. Hello. We're now in Unit 3 of Psychology 312, Abnormal Behavior. And again, I encourage you to refer to your textbook for more detailed understanding of these topics. This is meant to really be an introduction to these chapters and these topics. And um, so uh, use this for that purpose, but uh, use your textbook for your, say for your quizzes and for your assignments. Chapter five, we're looking at somatic symptom and related disorders and dissociative disorders. And then, so when we talk about somatic symptoms, when we hear the word somatic, it talks about body. Soma means body. So individuals with somatic symptom and related disorders are pathologically concerned with the functioning of their bodies and bring these attention to health professionals who can really find no problem, a medical basis for their complaints. So it's characterized where you're, the individual is focusing on physical symptoms and uh, and so they're they're really saying that these symptoms are really more severe than what they are or they're not even really truly a symptom Um, illness anxiety disorder is a condition where uh, individuals believe they're seriously ill and become anxious over the even the possibility of becoming uh, ill even though they're really not ill at that moment in conversion disorder, there's a physical malfunctioning, such as paralysis or even blindness, where someone is unable to walk or unable to see, but their uh, limbs, their eyes, everything's working perfectly, but they're unable to use the uh, those parts of their body. So. This area of, of psychopathology is not well understood. And uh, in case of illness, anxiety disorder, where someone's fearful that they'll get an illness, um, you know, they experience something that hasn't happened yet, so it's an anxiety. And um, so this is, again, fear of a possible future. When you're treating these types of illnesses, it can range from various basic sense of reassurance where you can show them the medical report and say there's no indication that you have this illness or have this problem. Um, It could be social support where you can try to reduce stress and uh, sometimes people may use these complaints about illness in order to get attention. And doesn't mean everyone who does does that, but someone who has maybe lacks social support may uh, announce that they have this illness in order to receive social support. Um, but uh, cognitive behavioral therapy has been found to be uh, pretty successful in dealing with um, this type of disorder. Dissociative disorders are characterized by alterations in perceptions. You've all, we've all kind of, let's say, drove somewhere and you've, you've driven and you finally arrive home and you don't even remember passing that town that you 
you know you had to drive through or that part of town that you you know it just you kind of was your mind was somewhere those kind of daydreaming kind of thing that's kind of a really small idea of dissociation where you're kind of out on your own we all usually snap out of that but dissociative disorders don't really snap out of that that well and so you really feel detached from yourself from the world and from your memories and um, this could be things such as depersonalization derealization disorder in which um, the individual sense of reality is, is really temporarily lost they they don't really know who they are and what was going on in the real world. In dissociative amnesia, the individual may be unable to remember important personal information. This could maybe from a traumatic event or something, and you know, the police or someone in the hospital asking who they are and they don't know their names. In generalized amnesia, um, the person is unable to remember anything. Uh, sometimes it can be um, interior grade where you're unable to form new memories. Sometimes it's retrograde where you can't remember your past. Um, so there's a, another stage is called dissociative fugue. And this is sort of a subtype of dissociative amnesia. And this is where memory loss is combined with an unexpected trip. And when I say trip, I'm not talking about drug trip. I'm talking about literally going somewhere where someone will show up at the 7-eleven and um, you know naked or uh, they've they've done something and they have no idea how they got there why they got there what they're you know hoping to do and um, so this may f uh, this type of behavior uh, is sort of associated with what we call dissociative identity disorder and this is probably what a lot of people know through media, movies and television, is multiple personality disorder. We don't call it multiple personality disorder. We call it dissociative identity disorder. And these different types of personalities are called alters, uh, alternative realities. The cause of this is really not well understood. There's lots of things in abnormal psychology that we don't really have a clear understanding of what causes it. And we talked about this earlier that it could be combinations of lots of things. You just like a, a knot to untangle is hard to do. Um, but it can be as a way to escape stressful traumatic events where you, the reality that you're in now, you want to get away from that. And so you form this new reality in yourself. Um, the, um, the treatment for this is usually involves helping someone re-experience that traumatic event in a controlled therapeutic environment and to help them develop coping skills to deal with this. Um, if someone indeed has dissociative identity disorder, the therapy is often long-term and um, so this is not something that can be dealt with you know, in a few weeks or months. This may take years. And uh, so there has to be a, a real trust between the therapist and the patient. Now let's look at chapter six, where we discuss mood disorders and suicide. Mood disorders are really the more the common, kind of sometimes we call these a common cold, those abnormal 
behavior. It doesn't mean that they're any less um, serious. It just means that these are the things that we see most often. Um, and so we've um, uh, seen a lot of increase in these food disorders worldwide, and especially among adolescents and emerging adults. So um, there's two fundamental experiences that contribute to um, either singularly or in combination to mood disorders. That's either a major depressive episode or mania. And what do we mean by that? Um, so a, a less severe episode of mania does not mean uh, cause impairment in social and occupational functioning. That's we talk about mania, we're talking about a sense of excitement. This is where you may do things like all of a sudden you think you've got this great idea and it's going to change the world and so you throw yourself completely into it or you find something that you're really interested in and you go buy bunches of them. You know, you go online and you buy 20 or 30 of whatever this item is. Uh, things that you normally wouldn't do and um, so if if it's not really influenced, you know, dealing with a, your, um, causing a big problem in your life, uh, it might be a hypomania, you know, below manic episode. It could be an episode, but an episode of mania um, is, is often coupled with anxiety and, um, and you can have a sense of depression. That's a mixed episode. And this is what we refer to as bipolar, is when you go mania, depression and go between these two states. So if somebody just deals with uh, depression, then they're referred to as having unipolar disorder, just one pole, and this would be depression. So if you're dealing with both mania and depression, then it's referred to as bipolar disorder. A major depressive disorder uh, must be a single episode or recurrent, but always time limited. Um, another form of depression is persistent depressive disorder. This is dysthemia, excuse me, um, which means that the depression is somewhat milder, but remains uh, relatively unchanged for a long time. So a major depressive disorder may have more depression, but for a shorter period of time, Dysthemia means that it may not be as severe depression, but it seems to be more chronic. It seems to last longer. Um, so in some cases, fewer symptoms are observed in a major depressive episode, but they persist for at least two years. Um, this is, again, persistent depressive disorder. In other cases, a major depressive episode will last um, more than two years, and this would be chronic depression. Um, double depression is a form of persistent depressive disorder where an individual uh, experiences both depressive episodes and a uh, persistent depressive disorder, meaning that they're generally depressed and then they have an episode which is uh, a major depressive episode. So this is referred to as double depression. So um, really, lots of things that people may uh, think are depression really aren't. Like if someone's lost a loved one, they're going through the grieving process. 
And there's certain natural stages that we go through as we uh, grieve the loss of a loved one. But about 20% of people who have lost a loved one or grieving may experience what we call a complicated grief reaction, um, where this normal grieving process really develops into a full-blown mood disorder, that this uh, death of a loved one may be the precipitating event which brings about the, the major disorder. Um, to identify bipolar disorder is really that alteration, uh, alternate, alternation between mania and depression. And um, it can be a, a variety of highs and lows. Cyclothemic disorder is, is sort of that, but milder. Um, and it's kind of like a more bi uh, chronic, but not as, not as the highs aren't as high and the lows aren't as low. Um, sometimes when we're understanding and defining mood disorders, we can understand different patterns that may occur that predict the occurrence of uh, a patient response. Um, and it can be things like uh, things like seasonal affective disorder, meaning that sometimes, uh, depending on what part of the country you have live in, that winter may be a time when, you know, depression hits people because the long months that they have to stay inside or especially if it's colder weather and uh, maybe lack and, um, of interaction with others. Mood disorders in children are really similar to mood disorders in adults. Uh, and, but we've also noticed that mood orders of depression are increasing dramatically in the elderly population. And um, so when we talk about anxiety across cultures, it can be difficult to really make comparisons. What people are anxious about in one culture may not be things that are of concern to another culture. Um, so when we... Um, you know, we have to be careful that um, when we're trying to compare one culture's anxiety to another culture, that, uh, you know, it's not that easy. You have to take lots of things into consideration. There's understanding what causes mood disorders. It's really a complex interaction of biology, psychology, and social factors. And um, so looking at those neurotransmitters and hormone levels that we mentioned earlier on, a lot of times when someone is dealing with depression, one of the first things that they need to do is go to physician and have a blood test done and see if there's any uh, either a low or high uh, levels of certain chemicals in, your, in our bodies that we need to have. Um, to understand it from a psychological perspective, sometimes we develop this idea of learned helplessness where you know, you've made attempts to be successful in the past, but no matter what you do, you've been turned down. And so you feel like, what's the use? You know, you've, you've tried to make efforts and nobody appreciates them. And then, so, you know, why even bother anymore? And then that can be, um, you find yourself in a depressive state. So in order to treat mood disorders, um, there can be a lot of times they'll be referred to the 
to antidepressant drugs. And, um, and not everybody responds the same way to all drugs. So if you are being treated by a, a physician for a mood disorder, sometimes um, it may take a while to find out the right dosage or the right drug that actually works best for you or for someone you care about. Um, it can also be psychological treatment, which is, um, um, and there's, you know, counseling therapy, talking therapy. Some of the more um, dramatic treatments are electroconvulsive therapy, um, where someone receives uh, electric shocks uh, to, their, to their brain and see if that makes a difference. Um, usually with regarding to psychological therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy really is the, the foremost uh, means that is used today and is used um, by lots of different counselors and, and insurance companies will be more willing to pay for this because it usually has a time limit. It, you know, we're going to meet for so many weeks and, um, and if it goes well, you should see uh, some improvement. Relapse happens in lots of different abnormal psychology disorders, um, especially with mood disorders, meaning that um, you can see improvement for a while, and then after a while you find that someone is really kind of falling back into the depressive state or the manic state. So um, it's treatment usually isn't just a one-time thing. It may have to be done continually. Uh, medication or counseling needs to occur um, you know, continually to, to help someone prevent relapse. Suicide is, is, of course, one of the saddest parts of, of abnormal psychology. And um, we often think of that as someone who has a mood disorder and it can accompany a mood disorder, but it doesn't always have to have. Um, it's the 10th leading cause of death among all people but among adolescents, it's the third leading cause of death. And when you're dealing with uh, trying to understand suicidal behavior, what you're trying to, to focus on is suicidal ideation. What are people, what are the thoughts about suicidal? You might ask someone, you know, have you thought about taking your life? Um, what are the plans? You know, how, how would you do it? You know, um, gun drugs, you know, cutting yourself. Um, these are topics that our counselors would, you know, focus on. And have you tried it before? Have you, and um, so the, um, um, you know, so sometimes, unfortunately, we don't have all this information before someone commits suicide. So it has to be kind of reconstructed uh, by the survivors to try to understand what brought this about. Well, that ends our unit, and I look forward to seeing you in the next unit.